Have you ever wondered what happens to all those newspapers, cans and cardboard boxes you so diligently recycle? In many cases, it could just be thrown in the trash along with everything else. In today's video, we're going to cover what some are calling the end of recycling as we know it. While that might sound extreme, you soon realize just how close this $100 billion industry is to collapse. This video is brought to you by Audible. Get a 30-day free trial by registering with the link in the description. Do you know the difference between what we recycle and what we throw away? It's not the materials or composition of the product. No, it's the money. If a product can be cleaned and sorted and sold, it is deemed recyclable. But what happens to recyclable materials when no one is buying them? This is a question countries all over the world are asking right now. To understand where we are now, we have to first look at what the world of recycling used to look like 15 years ago. In the early 2000s, the Western world was just starting to come on board with recycling, with people diligently sorting their trash into different components. After all the TV ads, it felt almost criminal to even toss paper into your trash bin. Now, that trash got collected into Material Recovery Facilities, or MRFs, where it got sorted, processed and bundled to be sold to buyers all over the world. You can probably guess who the biggest buyer was. China. It was buying recycling materials for its growing manufacturing base, which was rapidly manifesting China's dream of becoming the largest manufacturing economy in the world. Ever since China was granted entry into the World Trade Organization in 2001, the vast volume of trade it experienced created an interesting incentive. China was exporting goods and empty Chinese shipping containers were filling up across the docks of the world. Now, rather than send them back empty, it made sense to send back recycling in those containers back to China. The supply of empty containers was so great that it was actually cheaper to send recycling from Los Angeles to China than to nearby Arizona. The nature of the Chinese economy made this arrangement very lucrative. China lacks its own softwood lumber industry, for example, so they rely heavily on importing recycled paper to fill their paper needs. The newspaper you read and recycle today could be sold to China, printed and read by a Chinese person six weeks later. Of course, along with paper, China accepted a slew of other recycled materials like plastic and iron, which they could sort for much cheaper due to low labor costs. Thus, with China providing a quick and easy solution for the world's recycling, the West's never felt the need to build recycling plants in significant numbers. In the case of plastic, for example, China was accepting 70% of the world's plastic waste. In 2016, just the US alone was sending over 700,000 tons of plastic to China. But that very same year, a Chinese director released a documentary called Plastic China. It depicted the life of a young girl living in a plastic recycling plant, revealing the ugly reality of the Chinese recycling industry. It was received very well overseas and soon made its way illegally onto the Chinese internet. Beijing quickly banned the film, but the damage had already been done. The Communist Party now had to repair its public image, with Xi Jinping pledging to take a stand against these practices. In 2017, they announced to the World Trade Organization that they would be halting the import of waste and four different recyclable products, including cotton, waste paper and plastics. 
Now, by this time, China had developed a strong middle class that could generate enough internal waste to recycle without needing to buy and sort the waste of the world. The Chinese called it Operation National Sword, essentially a movement to develop better internal recycling plants and to care for their own country first, improving both their environment and public perception. The shock was instantaneous. Almost overnight, the entire plastic and paper recycling industry was brought to a crippling halt. At its height, MRFs could sell baled plastic at $300 a ton, but with Chinese demand gone, the price dropped to less than $40 a ton in just a few months. China introduced strict regulations on what they would import, mostly to do with how clean the recycling was. They would not accept low-grade waste and there are actually rumors that they will stop all imports by 2020. Overnight, a cleaning industry popped up in places like Thailand and Malaysia, where they would clean the recyclable materials before passing it on to China and many millionaires have emerged from these countries as a result of this entrepreneurial boom. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough. The Western world just doesn't have the infrastructure to handle its own recycling without the aid of China. Up until now, it was easier to toss yogurt lids, wire hangers and newspapers all in the same bin and to leave the sorting to the Chinese factory workers. Now, the Western world has to come up with new solutions to handle its recycling in the wake of Operation National Sword. Now, this is a huge market, in the hundreds of billions of dollars globally, so in the absence of China there is a big incentive for other developing countries to step in. Just economics, however, will not solve this problem. The easiest answer is that we need to consume less and countries like Canada are already implementing policies to combat excessive waste by imposing bans on single-use plastics like plastic bags and straws. This has naturally incentivized manufacturers to design better packaging that promotes less waste. Thai and Vietnamese grocery stores, for example, are testing out wrapping goods in banana leaves rather than plastics for a more sustainable approach. Luckily for the West, better recycling technologies are being developed. New recycling plants are popping up in countries like Sweden and the Netherlands that use high-tech optical sorters that are much more efficient than human labor. Ultimately, even if we believe that new businesses will emerge to solve the recycling crisis in the West, it's still better to minimize the amount of plastic and paper we use. And one of the ways you can do that is by starting to use Audible. Listening to audiobooks is a great way for you to expand your knowledge and to learn about stories like the ones we cover here on Business Casual. If you're curious about the dramatic rise of China's manufacturing, you should definitely listen to Poorly Made in China, a fascinating behind-the-scenes look at the sometimes questionable methods the Chinese used to get ahead. You can listen to it and many other audiobooks if you start your Audible membership now, when Audible have a special offer for you. Up until the end of July, Amazon Prime members can get their first three months of Audible for just $4.95 a month, saving a total of $30. That's a 66% discount if you register using the link in the description or text Business Casual to 500-500. In any case, I hope you enjoyed this video and I'd like to thank you for watching it. If you want to see teasers for my future videos, you should follow me on Instagram. You can expect my next video in two weeks and until then, stay smart.